You're listening to the Chelsea Zerna Podcast, a podcast that inspires conscious leaders to live meaningful lives and to get in touch with the deepest parts of the human experience. My name's Chelsea Zerna, and I'm a women's empowerment coach with the mission of rewilding the feminine back into society. Each week, I have a conscious conversation with best-selling authors, inspiring leaders, and spiritual lightworkers who aren't afraid to step into the unknown and explore the greatest truths of life. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Chelsea Zerna Podcast. I'm sitting here with Justin Fairman. He's an international speaker, serial entrepreneur, and consciousness researcher, working to create large-scale shifts in human consciousness. He's the co-founder of Consciousness Lifestyle Magazine and the Flow Consciousness Institute. He's pioneering work in the area of flow and mechanics of consciousness. Hello, Justin. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. It's so good to have you. Yeah, Justin and I met in Bali in about November. We met doing a, uh, we were breakdancing. Yeah, a breakdancing workshop on my birthday in Bali. Yes. I've been breaking. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and you were at Unconventional Life, the conference, right? Yeah. I think I think by the time we synced up, it was afterwards. But yeah, that's that's what brought us over there. That and like a private, you know, uh, crypto mastermind as well. So. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Very nice. And uh, you are an expert in my two favorite topics, flow and intuition. So I'm pretty excited to dive into that. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So before we dive into these topics, do you want to kind of give a high level overview of your why? Like why you're so passionate about this, how you got into it, and um yeah, go ahead and give us some background there. Even talk about Jackie, because you have a co-founder, Jackie, as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so my why is I've actually been reflecting on this a lot lately and um when I was really young, maybe like five, six, seven, sometime around then, I can't remember the exact age, like I, I could so lucidly see like how broken so many aspects of our society were. And I just had this, and I was just like, I'm six, I'm seven, whatever I was. I'm like, and I see how broken it is. And there's adults running around that are running the show and they have no freaking clue. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, what have I just incarnated into? Like, you know, what, what is this mess? And, um, and, and I also was really fascinated as a result of that by like how reality worked. Like, you know, if I saw these, I saw these challenges and problems that we had and I was like, okay, well, how does reality work then that this is happening? And that inquiry led me on a journey to where I am now, essentially of being that kid that asked why <laughs> to everything and continuing that journey of why into my adulthood and, and getting answers at different points that I thought were, were meaningful and satisfactory. And I really, I think, I think when you really ask that question, why long enough, you eventually end up realizing that, you know, it's, it's our perception or our consciousness, our beliefs, our culture, like all these, all these aspects of like how we see the world that are forming the, um, the, the circumstances that we're in. And so everything that I do is really based on this idea of how do we shift consciousness mm, in the most yeah. effortless and efficient way possible? And how do we do that at scale? And so Flow and the magazine, all these other things that I'm working on are, are a result of that. And they've taken me into just a huge uh, breadth of different areas. And um, one of those, in which, which I think that I'm, I'm most excited about in the potential that it holds to really to, to do that, to really shift consciousness at scale, 
is um, is the Flow Consciousness Institute, which Jackie and I co-founded uh, a few years ago, maybe four years ago now. And we had both been teaching Flow independently of that on our own for many years. And then uh, as Synchronicity would have it, we um, met in a time machine. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> in a partially finished time machine, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, and then we just kind of clicked, and uh, that was the the inception of the of the institute. Mm, that's awesome, and I really resonate that too. I think the question I find myself asking more than any other question is, "Why are we here? Like, why is humanity here?" I think everybody asks that question, but even as a kid, I found myself asking that question a lot. I was so curious. And I think that's yeah. why I got into coaching in general, helping people kind of connect their individual purpose with our collective consciousness purpose. Like why we're totally. all here to our individual purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are good questions to ask. Uh, I was, re- I was at a, an event recently where I was just surrounded by people who like, that's all we can focus on. It's just like, what, what is the answer to that question? You know, or like, what, what, like, what, what do you derive from that question? And we kind of had this, this moment where it's like, man, how lucky are we? We get to just like ponder the nature of reality and get paid for it and change lives. Totally. Awesome. <laughs> That's my, f- I had that realization this morning, actually. I was like, man, I get to get paid to do what I love every single day. Yeah. Like go into philosophy, go into human consciousness, help other people get in line with their individual purpose for being here on this planet, help them maximize themselves. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and you know, and, and it's, it's beautiful and like, you know, good job for going on the journey that's necessary to get there. And like that, at the end of the day, I, I really think that like that is a big part of the solution to these problems is that like, we're all, so many people are doing what they don't love to make ends meet instead of just doing what they love and birthing their genius into the world, which is what could really solve the problems that we're in. Like everybody holds, like in my opinion, everyone holds like a specific piece of the puzzle. And it's only when we're like, aware of the peace that we hold and giving it to the world that we kind of form this mosaic where we all actually start to coexist in harmony and we enter in this new age of you know a, a golden age of abundance and stuff you are super you drop out there a bit <laughs> you called that at the beginning <laughs> so yeah, right before people. I, I, I hope it got all that but right before this podcast started Justin said, you know, I've been on podcasts where the internet totally dropped out and the internet just dropped out. <laughs> it was either a manifestation or you were just totally in tune there. <laughs> but it's but it's actually like it's actually like really perfect synchronicity. Okay, so you're back, so you tell the story. Now. I can't believe it. I literally can't believe the internet dropped. What are the chances? Did we create it or did it or was it gonna happen anyway? That's such an interesting, you know, I that's interesting. It's like when you're so in tune with intuition, you like tap into the quantum, right? Like no forward, no ending. But do you in that in that moment also manifest the future or are you just tapping into what already exists? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't claim to know. I claim to know and I also don't know, you know. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm very curious. Um I want to dive right into uh, flow consciousness and how it's different from flow state. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So flow states, flow consciousness, how are they different? Well, the easiest way I think to look at it is like, like let's take the word flow states or the, or the phrase flow states. Okay. Flow states imply there's a state. Okay. And in psychology, you have states and stages, 
right? And so a state is something, it's like a temporary state of consciousness that we enter into sleeping, waking, you know, being hungry, being happy, sad, like these are transient states of consciousness. A stage on the other hand is really like a psycho spiritual level of development. It's like, it's like a, a phase of perception that we enter into like a developmental maturity. Okay. And so flow states, so flow consciousness is, is akin to a stage of consciousness, right? It's a stage we enter into as we kind of develop and mature and increase our, our awareness. And so it's related to flow states. There's some overlap in the middle, but they're like at two ends of the spectrum. So you have flow states and flow consciousness, and they're both on the same flow spectrum, but one is like a peak state of, of expanded creativity and inspiration and intuition and performance and all the things that go along with flow states. And flow consciousness is like your, your, default level of flow that you're experiencing in life, right? It's a way to take flow states out of the state and live it 24 seven. And so, um, yeah, so, so flow consciousness is much more a way of life, a way of being than just a peak state of performance that you're constantly chasing and trying to get into. It's not so much dependent on environmental conditions like a flow state sure. can be. It's, it's more based on internal conditions. So you set your level of flow. So and essentially your mission is to raise homeostasis to flow. Yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like we think that we've cracked part or a big piece of, or maybe even all, if we want, if I want to get that audacious of like how to experience lasting flow and much, not so much of like a high performance state, but really much more in like, kind of like Zen, like Taoist philosophy, Tao Te Ching kind of way. Not quite that. It's, it's much more than that as well. But like, to, for people to, that are just hearing about this concept to kind of wrap their minds around it, it's, it's more on that end of the spectrum than about peak performance per se. But the irony is, is that when you're living in that space, you're on the path of least resistance and maximum impact. So you, by your very nature, have you're, you're in peak performance, although it looks very different than like being super productive per se, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting. You just said the path of least resistance. Because before I used to see resistance as um, like events happening in my life. And it was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the path of least resistance and just pivot. And now I kind of see it as like energy, like even little like hints that happen in the world. I say, okay, this is a sign to pivot this way. And it's still a pivot. But instead of just seeing it as an event, it's like a um, like an energetic pull towards something else and away from something else, right? Totally. Do you see that as how do you see how do you kind of work with resistance and flow? Yeah, so there's an interesting dynamic between resistance and flow because it's like, um, like one one key, and this is like bridging the conversation into intuition a bit because like basically like one of our there's some core access points for flow consciousness one of them is intuition okay and so like intuition may pull you into areas of resistance at times because the the resistance is not actual resistance it's psychological mm -hmm. resistance which is different than actual resistance like it's different than like than like you're not supposed to do this. It's more like we're pulling ourselves into a space where like we're afraid perhaps to do something, but that thing is the thing that we need to do to actually get into flow. So, and, and then on that wavelength, like intuition is really very, very much an energetic experience. You know, people might access it through their feelings or their emotions or different things like that. But, but at the end of the day, 
you know, what are feelings or what are emotions, energy and motion, you know, it's just like, it's a sensation that we have that we label as a feeling or emotion, but it's really just an energetic quality in our body, you know? So for sure it's, it's in our experience, like flow is really like following the energy and learning how to dance with it at a high level. Mm, For sure. Yes. And, you know, the Buddhists say the best way to get to true self is through clear skies, which is almost a state of no thought and no emotion. So do you feel getting in touch with your emotional body gets you closer to intuition? Or do you feel that clear skies is almost the way to yeah. tap in intuition? So this is so here's like an interesting here's an interesting like paradox, right? In Eastern and Western philosophy, especially like Eastern and Western spiritual philosophy, like in much of Eastern philosophy, it's like don't worry about all the muck of the unconscious. Just meditate into no self just like train your consciousness to be in no self and then you don't have to worry about the low self or the 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 subconscious because you just rise above it you transcend it and so if you just train yourself to stay there then that takes care of itself i'm not saying that that's all eastern philosophy but that's like a, a, a a typical through line in a lot of different eastern philosophies in in like a western philosophy right they're like no go into the unconscious you know like Jungian, um you know the, the Jungian mythic, you know, esoteric and occult philosophies are like, no, you need to go, you need to go into the unconscious and purify the unconscious to enter this state. And I would say that the flow path is an integrative path. So it's both. Mm-hmm. So like you want to rot, you want to train yourself to go up, but also go down and through. So for, for us, like, um, I didn't do a super clean job of talking about intuition before, but for us, like emotions are basically they're, they're, they're showing you where you still need, where you still have distortion to release essentially, where you're still in some kind of old pattern, especially when it's a negative emotion, positive emotions, not so much, but when it's a negative emotion, that's like showing you an area that's actually keeping you from being in the no self. Like if you let, if you let that go, you'll naturally emerge into the no self because that's mm-hmm. your true self. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like, we, we tend to take that perspective where we're like, you, you're ultimately going where the Buddhists say, but like, we recommend like looking at the things that want to be healed versus just trying to go straight into that state, you know? For sure. And that kind of makes sense. If you think about emotions on a scale of vibrational frequency, like that, the higher states of emotion, you're operating at a higher frequency. So it's less dense and it's almost like more spirit can move through you. So you're almost operating at a higher state of consciousness. Totally. Yeah. It's like, there's a, there's like like, when you're very dense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's like, you know, some people describe the process of like becoming enlightened as like not, there's nothing to attain. It's just like a removing of what's blocking you from, from already being enlightened. Well, you're already, you're already enlightened. You've just forgotten that you're enlightened, you know? Yeah. So if you can just remove the illusion, then like it just happens and you don't have to like try so hard. Mm, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So um, back to intuition. What do you feel is the best way to tap into deeper intuition? Like what are the what are the top things that you kind of lead people into? And I know a lot of times it's more ear uh, experiential than just like a intellectual knowingness, right? So do you lead people through yeah. experiences to tap into intuition deeper? Yeah, we definitely do. Yeah. And and intuition, you know, it, it's it in and of itself is a spectrum. So, you know, there's like intuition 101, which is learning how to make decisions from a place of like learning how to like track intuition and how it's guiding you to make decisions in life. And even though that's intuition 101, like if you master that, like 
you're already at an extremely high level of flow, like to, to really master that and live from that place. So it's, it's nothing to be sneezed at, but that's, but that's a level 101 because the spectrum of intuition goes all the way into like levels of superhuman ability, like ability. Like psychic you know, realms. Yeah. Like deep into psychic realms. And so, um, so like, so there's different things that are necessary at different stages for, for the level 101, which again, is like a hugely important part of living in flow. It's kind of everything like, cause there's people that are very psychic that are not living in flow because they haven't learned how to make decisions from intuition or they don't have the courage to do that. So, so for that level, it, it's really about um, being able to tune into feeling mm-hmm. and not, not so, so much emotion. That's why my language wasn't so clean before, but around, around it's, it's about tuning into feeling and more specifically sensation Yeah, because the, the, how we differentiate intuition from non-intuition is how, by how it feels. There's a certain quality to it. Sometimes it's like, and, 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 you know, in training people in this, we've heard everything. Like we were at a conference, we were at the IONS conference the other day, teaching a workshop on, on intuition. And someone's like, yeah, I know I'm getting intuition when it, I feel this burning sensation behind the back of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I've never heard that one before. So that's a really, that's a really interesting new one, you know, but it's like, it's like everyone's sensation of what it is is so unique. So like a big part of it is learning what we call our, our intuitional signature is and like learning how to identify that. And in the simplest terms, it's a feeling of like feeling expansive or feeling excited or inspired or, or anything kind of like on that uplifting wavelength around. So it's something that like lifts you up and gives you energy. Like that's usually your intuition speaking. And on the flip side of that, when, when something feels heavy and dark and dense or like you're encountering a ton of resistance that can oftentimes be your intuition saying no to something. So that's a really like simple, like uh, rubric that people can use to start getting that, that foundational level of intuition dialed in. Mm, totally. So when you're making a decision, how does that work for you? How do you tap into your intuition? Where do you feel that sensation in your body? Yeah. So basically like, so again, painting a picture of the spectrum, right? Like, we teach a practice that's kind of like a one-on-one practice where people like basically take, okay, whenever you're making a decision, you've got like you typically between two and like five or six different options that could happen. Right. Um, and so people basically just sit with each option and feel into it and say like, okay, well, how does this feel to me? And they tune in and they pay attention to where it is on that spectrum that I just described. And then obviously the thing that's at the height is feeling like the most inspired, like the most uplifting and expansive or pleasurable even is the thing typically that their intuition is guiding them towards. Now, what, like that's, that's like the training wheels level, right? Like learning how to, to just sit and go through that process. And that can take like maybe a minute or two to do that. When you get really good at it, you're just feeling that in real time, like literally in real time, like you're just aware of the sensation you're feeling and you're sorting for that intuitional sensation. Mm-hmm. So that means you can start to make every decision, every word you say, every thought you think can be, in flow with intuition and then you're getting up to these really high levels and that's where you get into like some pretty magical stuff (laughs) very cool yeah Yeah, it's interesting because when you were talking about emotion i guess so they have the scale where it's spiritual mental emotional and then physical right and the more you go down the scale the more you're mastering life uh the more you're mastering the physical world the more you go up the scale the more you're mastering um, the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they say that your mind and your emotions can kind of, your mind can almost be a safety blanket for your emotions. But if your mind is so strong, your emotions will never sink into your physical body, right? 
How do you guys kind of explain that? Like, do you see that too? Because I, 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 I'm really obsessed with this concept of the feminine masculine energy, right? And I, I, I see like the yin and the yang. And I see a lot of times um, certain patterns with different people. And there's a lot of people who have really mastered the mental world. Like they're very mentally strong and they're very good with, they have really strong boundaries. They're really good at placing limitations. They're very good at creating structure. And because of that, they're also really good at limiting emotion out of either fear of pain or fear of um, feeling too much or a lot of times it's out of a fear, right? That's what causes kind of this mask of masculinity. And then on the other side, the emotion, the feminine energy is just like so rampant and so emotional that sometimes it's actually overwhelming without that boundary. And I'm sure that that emotion can, it it does take over people in, in certain ways, right? Where people go into these depressive states and things like that, but they're also feeling a lot in their body, but it's almost this um, this overfeeling and this overstimulation where it's just too much. So relating that to intuition, do you kind of see a scale like that when you're talking about intuition where you can kind of see that people are, who are very intuitive, are they either in the center of that scale or really swayed towards the emotional side? I couldn't imagine it being the other way, but really on the emotional side. Yeah. Yeah, so basically like, there's like a couple ways to look at it. So when, how we, what we believe intuition is, is like an integration of heart and mind, mm-hmm. heart, heart representing, you know, the emotional layer of us. And so we, we believe that like in, intuition is really an integration of that. And then an upshifting of it into spirit, you know, if we're, we, we could say spirit, or you could say super consciousness, if you wanted to be more, you know, a little bit more materialist about it. Right. But like, but basically it's, it's an integrative thing. So you're getting the best of both worlds without sacrificing either of them or without going too far into swinging the pendulum too far into the extremes of how they can manifest. Because when you get, when you get onto a spectrum, then you're missing the other side. So you're automatically in some form of limitation. So the more you're able to integrate, like the more of the benefit you get of different spectrums. Um, But definitely I I would say that like intuition from our perspective Mm -hmm. is like, operating in the realm of spirit right from in that scale so it's like it's transcendent of the mind even and and the emotions to some degree although it passes like that's how we orient to the world is through those two faculties typically really through our mind and our emotions and so um so intuition is going to pass through those two aspects of us as well so there's going to be a feeling and then there's going to be an insight and there's going to be you know, aspects of it that are represented both in, in the emotional body and, and, and the mental body. Mm, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that t- makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So now talking about this with manifestation, do you teach manifestation as well? Uh, yeah, it, we, we, we talk about it uh, in terms of like uh, consciousness, reality, interfacing yeah. to, to kind of distance ourselves a little bit from the word manifestation, not because we, we don't like it, but because it's kind of got like a lot of the way that people approach manifestation where we're just like, okay, yeah. Manifestation, materialization, whatever. Like that's, a, that, that that's real. And like, there's so much, it's, it's like the word God, there's so much baggage. with it. Yes. So, yeah. So, so we're just like, okay, like let's, let's bring this into a little bit more of like, a, a, like a, a mechanical mindset because we think, you know, basically like our perspective on it is that, Anything that is real, there's a mechanics of that thing. You know, 
like, like, and just because we may not understand it fully, but there's like a mechanics of how it works. And so we like to get into the space of like, okay, what's the science of manifestation? Mm -hmm. Like really like, what is it beyond just like, Oh, well, there's these kind of laws that people are claiming exist, but they've got very little proof for them. Like what's the actual science of how we create our reality. That's the space that we play in. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. So what kind of science, can you talk about that a little bit? I'm curious. Totally. What is the totally. science behind this, manifestation? Yeah. This actually is what drove me in, into flow in a lot of ways is like, what is the science of how we create a reality? What's the mechanics of how we create our reality? And then like in getting into that, which is really like, how does reality work? Okay. That's really that conversation, right? Again, is like flow is an extension of that. Like we think that we have some pretty interesting insights into how reality works. When people like apply those, their lives change in pretty amazing ways. So basically there's three core levels that we believe that we're creating our reality on. And I put a paper out uh, about this a couple years ago on our website. So if anyone wants to like really dive into like the, the, the nitty gritty mechanics of it, that's a good place to start. But, um, but basically there's three levels. The first level is, is like the perceptual level, right? The perceptual level is that we're creating our reality by how we perceive and interpret events, right? So this is, this is that we don't see reality as it is. We see reality as our, we are alluding to the fact that our beliefs are going to shape our experience. And someone could be having, you and I are having the same experience right now. And we're also having completely different experiences of it too, right? Because our filter is totally different based on our conditioning and all of that. 100%, right. So that's the first level. Like you can't escape that. That's a fact. Like even neuroscientists, even like hardcore materialist neuroscientists are like, yep, the brain's constructing reality based on its preconceived notions, you know, confirmation bias, right? And so- so that's a given. That's there. There's there's no questioning it. So you're already creating your reality on that level. But where it starts to get interesting, in my experience, is on the second level, which is how we're creating our reality by positioning ourselves in space and time to align ourselves with the manifestation of the end circumstance. So a lot of people, when they're talking about manifestation, say like, well, okay, you're attracting everything to you. Actually, we believe it's just the opposite. You're not attracting anything to you. You're making a series of decisions and you're taking a series of actions that put you in a specific place in time that allow that resource to manifest. You're basically aligning yourself with whatever the end manifestation is through you navigating through space and time based on your beliefs and based on your emotional state, right? By extension, your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So like there's a map that we have called the Betar map. It's, it's a map of how this process works, but basically how your beliefs influence where you are in space and time and thus what you can experience right so that's the second layer and i'll pause there for a second yeah, yeah that's a, that's really great so yeah i have a few questions so um i i think you I, so how does this relate to energy then because i like to see everything as an energetic either attraction or repulsion and the way that you're saying it is yeah. is actually more based on a belief system and making choices and aligning you based on those choices which actually scientifically makes sense but i'm wondering how energetically it also fits into that yeah 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 no good, great question so that's the third level okay. of how we create our right the third level is is a quantum holographic level and a quantum holographic level like quantum mechanics is essentially the study of like how energy moves into mm -hmm. physical form right if you really break it down if you go down to the level of quanta it's energy like whenever you start that they keep trying to find smaller and smarter particles smaller particles For sure. and the particles are energy so reality is energetic. There is no other reality. Like 
Yeah. That the idea of us moving through space and time is basically an illusion in a soup of a quantum energetic reality, right? So yeah. in that level of reality, you don't have to be anywhere or do anything. Just your beliefs in and of themselves, your emotions in and of themselves have a specific effect on the quantum field that permeates the entire universe. And then you're interacting with that field just based on your own state of consciousness. So that that's the energetic layer. So all of those three are happening simultaneously. It's like this really interesting stack where like when you get really good, when you're really powerfully, you know, dialed in in terms of your consciousness, your emotional state, right? You're looking at like mm -hmm. the Hawkins scale when you're above 500, like you tend to affect reality so strongly just with your, your energetic vibration that you have an effect on other people's consciousness. And then they'll like, you know, like, like we talked about at the beginning of the call, you know, it's like, I, we just tuned in for a second and we're like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes the calls drop <laughs> when you're on a podcast <laughs> and then it happens, right? And we're sitting in the question of like, did we create that or was it already yeah. meant to happen, right? But it's like, we, it could be, one of the answers could be that you and I have are harnessing so much energy because of our commitment to this path that like we actually sent an energetic wave out that like altered, you know, the, the transmission of internet into your, your, your home. Yeah, it's <laughs> Damn, yeah, that's 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 interesting. So based on that, how would you hone this this energy for manifestation? Like how would we translate this now into yeah. actually creation and manifestation? Totally. So like there's like an analogy that we use in some of our more advanced trainings that's like imagine that your consciousness is either a hose <laughs> or a um a like a fire hose or like a a, a, a movie projector, okay. right? like a film projector. Okay. So basically, um, in that analogy, right? Like the main thing that's creating reality is the film and the light, yeah. right? Like light projected through film, and then whatever's on the film gets projected onto the screen, which is reality. Okay, so so. How, um, so what your beliefs essentially control what's on the film, Okay. right? Your beliefs control sure. what's on the film. So you're deciding with your beliefs, like whether that's a, an empowering narrative of you having everything you want and just being in flow or a disempowering narrative. And okay. So that's, that's controlling what's on the screen. Now the, um, the amount of like energy that's running through your system determines how bright mm -hmm. that bulb is. And your focus determines like where you're pointing the projector. Okay. So basically like what controls your energy is in part your emotional state. Right. And then there's also like the science and, and art of just harnessing raw energy in the body. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, Qigong, or Tai Chi, and you know, yoga and breath work and all these different modalities can like put raw energy into your body. So, so there's kind of, it gets pretty multidimensional pretty fast, but like the main two things that are like, your beliefs and how much energy you're projecting. And really your beliefs are, you know, it, it goes beyond our surface level beliefs of like, well, I believe I'm capable of anything because the thing is the, the thing that people miss most is that what's you, your, what's, what's on that film is a reflection of everything in your consciousness, not just what you're consciously aware of. So people get tripped up with manifestation because they think, well, I'm thinking about the things I want and I still don't have them. Like what the fuck? And it's like, because it's not a reflection of what you're thinking. Mm, it's a yeah. reflection of your beliefs and your beliefs are like this 
huge iceberg, you know, that most Absolutely. of which are not aware of. So that's, that's what, people up. but that's what, that's what we do with flows. We're like, okay, let's go really deep into the unconscious and uproot everything that you're not aware of that's sabotaging you. And then that has a huge effect on, on how you manifest. For sure. And where does the hose come into that? You said the projector and the hose. Yeah. The hose is like a different way of looking at it. Like the hose is basically like, um, you know, your beliefs are like where you're pointing the hose and the, like how turned, like how open the valve is for the hose, like how much energy is coming through. So it's just like another way of looking at like how we create our reality. Like these are the two main levers, like where you're pointing the hose and how much water is coming through is like going to determine where like you're creating and how strongly you're creating reality. For sure. Yeah. And that's super interesting because I feel our beliefs are always shifting and changing with every interaction that we come up against. It's like we're either confirming or denying our beliefs depending on how open we are. And that shapes our identity, which means our identity is always shifting. So the idea of identity is actually not a fixed point in my opinion. It's something that's constantly evolving. Do you, have you seen through all of your case studies that you've done and all the research that you've done that beliefs are constantly shifting or do you see that they're kind of more fixed or does it really just depend on the person? It's, it's a little bit of both in my experience um, because identity is totally malleable and you can absolutely shift your identity. And like I've had a huge shift in identity over my life and I know many people that have. And it's, so it's totally possible to do that. But there's a tendency for identity to be more fixed typically because people like people typically start by the time they're our age, like they have an idea much, much earlier than that even, but like, especially by the time they're our age, not not saying that we're older or anything, but you know, we're kind of like somewhere in the middle. Right. And so um, by the time they're our age, like there's a pretty fixed sense of identity and like the part that's more fluid is the part that's not as fixed. Right. So there's like this part of our identity where it's like, Oh, you know, we might identify as a student when we're in college and then we grow up and, you know, we graduate and then we get a job and then we identify, you know, with our job a little bit. And then we might become an entrepreneur and start to identify more as an entrepreneur. So like that part of our identity shifts, but like, there's like this core part of my identity of like who I really know or who I really think I am at the deepest levels. That's, that's more unchanging, but oftentimes that's where the problem is Mm -hmm. because like people will have an opinion of themselves that's not it's actually a limitation like the part of their identity will be in limitation and then that's the part that really wants to be shifted because you want to get a, you want to get your identity to this space where like you're fully expressed in your in your in limitless potential right for sure because energy just wants to be expressed yeah and but there's i would say one more thing too i know i'm talking a lot but like beliefs are so contagious Beliefs are so contagious. Like people can take on limiting beliefs in like a, f- a flick of an eye because they can pass like that. You know, like if, like, um, you know, if, if let's say we walk up uh, on, let's say you and I are walking down a street in Europe. Okay. We're in Portugal. We're walking down a street and in, in Lisbon and there's a guy standing there and he's smiling and he looks and he's got, you know, he's, he's like wearing all white and he's got his hands over his chest and he's smiling and giving you namaste hands. And you're walking up and you're like, wow, look at this guy. And then I, I lean up to you and I go, Chelsea, be careful, dude. This guy is like a notorious guru who, you know, like takes the, all the money of his followers. And he is, you know, he looks like he's like, you know, an angel, but he's really a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. In a second, like your beliefs about this guy, you know, would shift 
into a completely different space, whether or not what I said is true. Yeah. And so like this is happening all the time and we don't typically realize it. We're in conversation with people. It's like, they'll say something little and we don't even have time to consciously process it. And we'll like take on a belief that's based on what they said. Totally. And this is being used in the media at a really high level. You know, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So going off that thought then, instead of attaching so tightly to beliefs, it would almost be better to establish principles to live by and then constantly come back to those, allowing beliefs to shift and evolve over time, but having principles that we're rooted in, right? And like, totally. like, like, like making decisions based on these principles. Cause it's interesting if you're talking about manifestation and we're in part of the manifestation work is going into belief systems and looking at limiting beliefs and beliefs are always shifting. It's almost like that work would be a never ending process based on the, the information that you accumulate over your life, unless you're really set in something to begin with, or unless you're, unless you have principles to kind of root you somewhere. Totally. Yeah. Well, eh, yes, exactly. Flow is a principle-based system. Like literally we teach seven different principles because like that's the only like, and Nate, like principles as a, as a, as a concept, like, you know, look at Ray Dalio, right? Arguably one of the wealthiest, most successful traders of all times put out, puts out a book Mm -hmm. called principles. Buckminster Fuller operates by principles. Quantum physics operates by principles. There's like, a theme of principles running reality. These are essentially like, you could say that they're laws even. Um, you don't have to follow them, but they'd still run the show whether or not you like it. So yeah, so nature, nature is like a first principles-based system. So that's that's totally the hack in my, in my opinion, is that by understanding like timeless principles that always sort for certain outcomes, then you can guarantee that you get that outcome over mm. time. Yes, yeah. that totally makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, nice. Yeah. So like, um, so like the first principles of flow, like we, like they produce flow over time. You know, if you follow them, they produce flow, like following your intuition above all else is one of the principles. So what happens when you follow your intuition? Well, you know, that's when you get into this space that like people, people can't believe that it's true, but it's true because that principle will take you into the highest echelons of your development. It put you on a beeline for that, yeah. For sure, yeah. What is the most uh, what is the most unassuming principle that you guys have as part of the Flow Consciousness Institute? Like, what would be the principle that's kind of the most shocking or the most surprising that most people are like, what? The most shocking, <laughs> shocking principle <laughs> of Flow this night, <laughs> night on the news. <laughs> yeah. um, or maybe the most jarring for uh, people, the one that's the hardest to adapt to. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's simultaneously the easiest and hardest of all of them, which is radical acceptance. Yeah. Radical acceptance because it's, it's hard because we're like this idea of like right and wrong, good and bad. And, you know, is, is so ingrained into our culture and our minds that like people sometimes really have a challenge of like seeing things that ostensibly look bad on the surface or that seem to have some kind of negative consequence and saying like, Oh, this is perfect. Mm, Yeah. You know, that's typically, it's the easiest one because you don't really have to do anything. It's literally just a shift in your mindset, but it like a simple shift. that's so obvious of like what the shift is, but at the same time, people can really struggle with that, but it's the one that it's, it's also one that's like 
produces just like a huge amount of flow. I mean, they all do, but like that one, especially like if you can stay in that mindset, like, oh my God, what it does for your, the levels of flow you experience is just like off the charts. Yeah. Because nothing is ever wrong. And because you're not looking for right or wrong, if everything is always right all the time, then you can just shift without judgment and find the next um, opportunity or flow. Because if nothing is wrong, it's not like you can make a wrong decision. You just pivot or shift, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and really, it's about like, like, for me, the essence of, of that principle is really about taking a long term view of your life. Because things that often seem bad on the surface are really actually just one small piece of a much bigger, better thing that's happening for you. Totally. So if, you, if you focus in on the on oh, this is bad. Like my car broke down. Oh, that's so bad. It's like how do you know that you weren't about to get in an accident that would have made you paralyzed? And if your car hadn't broken down, that you would have gotten slammed into by a giant eighteen wheeler truck. Yes. You don't know. So like, you know, but our minds love to think like that they know everything and they know all the things. It's like, no, you don't. And so, um, so, so that principle like really puts you into this kind of nice surrendered harmony with everything. Totally. And one of my favorite parables is the good luck, bad luck, who knows story. Have you heard that before? Uh, I know a Sufi tale, but I want to hear this one. I don't know if this is it or not. Okay, it might be it might be a little different, but it, it's the story of this this father and the son, and this father and the son are working out on the farm, and a horse runs away, and the 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 son says, "Oh man, what bad luck!" And the father says, "Good luck, bad luck, who knows?" And then a day later, the horse comes back with a mate, and the son's like, "Oh my gosh, what good luck! Now we have two horses." And the father says, "Good luck, bad luck, who knows?" And the son is um, riding the, the second horse the next day and happens to fall off and break his leg. And he's like, oh, man, what bad luck. And the father says, good luck, bad luck, who knows? And on the last day, uh, the, the, the military, they were doing a draft and they came and they knocked on the door and they were looking for healthy men to go fight in the military. And the son had a broken leg and the son says, wow, I didn't want to fight. Like, what good luck? And the father says, good luck, bad luck, who knows? And the story keeps going. And at the end, the, the, the point of the story is you never actually know what is good luck and what is bad luck because the story keeps evolving. And there's never end. There's never an end. It's just an evolution of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, that that is like a that's like one up the Sufi parable. The Sufi parable is just the second half. <laughs> the first half was like an extra bonus. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And and so yeah, one hundred percent. You 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 don't know. And we be, what we believe we believe too. On top of that, like a, a, another stack on that is that everything is conspiring in your favor, actually. Yeah. That's, there's an inherent bias in reality towards everything thriving. And that's a pretty deep thought. But if you really think about it, there cannot be a bias in reality towards things being destructed. Because if there is, then reality would stop existing. There's definitely a bias towards thrivability in reality. Like you can see it everywhere. Like things tend, systems tend to thrive. Like un- uninterrupted by man, systems tend to thrive and expand. Over time, expand, like, collapse, yes, like entropy. Are, yeah, exactly. Like, like this is a known law that like systems continually build towards more complexity, mm-hmm. more evolutionary complexity, Definitely. right? 
And that can only happen if there's a bias towards thriving. So like, so you can take that understanding and be like, right, life is always trying to guide my hand towards like what's in my highest good and the the highest good of everything. And, um, you know, that can be jarring to people who believe in this like kind of, you know, uh, like uh, uh, religious, like, Mm -hmm. you know, sin (laughs) narrative where it's like, no, we're all, it can be really challenging, but there's a lot of science to back that up. It's definitely true. And um, when you when you get into that space, it produces this huge amount of flow. And I want to shout out a book recommendation too for people sure. if they haven't read yet the Surrender Experiment. Um, yes. Have you read it? Yeah, it's in my uh, it's in my queue on my Audible. That's my next book. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So there's a little preview and plug for that. But yeah, the Surrender Experiment is an example of what happens when some guy really chooses to go all out on saying like I truly believe that life has my highest good in. <laughs> in um it's uh in its intentions and i'm going to completely surrender to like whatever presents itself to me in life and it's the story of what happens to it and and it's extraordinary and i I won't say too much more than that except that like it's pretty mind-blowing and it's like a real life example of like that parable that you just Mm. told of like somebody continually just staying in that space of like good luck bad luck who knows i'm just in it wherever this goes (laughs) Very cool. What has yeah. been the um, the biggest like aha moment or life changing book that you've read? Um, hmm. There's been a lot of very influential books that I've read. I'm trying to think what's the most life changing book that I've read. I mean, my mom read The Alchemist to me when I was seven. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. that was probably more influential than I realized. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely been a lot of parallels. Um, hmm. Or even a book that you know, you're reading right now that you feel is... Yeah, this is a book that I'm reading right now because there's been so many. Actually, here's a book that I'm reading right now. It's right next to me. Uh, it's called The Pathwork of Self-Transformation by Eva Pierakos. And um, it's it's deep. <laughs> it's deep. Even even like as deep as I've gone, it's still stretching me like even deeper and uh, very much along the lines of this conversation that we've been having. So... Really, really the path of self transformation. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, what's the what's the basis of it? Um, so basically, like, it's it's a journey into levels of the subconscious that most people like don't are that don't even they don't even know exist, but they're running your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's yeah. so it's so far beyond like if if you let's put it this way. If you consider yourself someone who works with like, if you coach other people around limiting beliefs and, 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 you know, you consider yourself like knowledgeable or an expert on that, like this book is a must read because it will take you to a whole nother layer of depth Mm -hmm. that is like just unbelievable and, and illuminate things. It, it, It basically helps you to see all the ways that you're limiting yourself, that you've been traumatized and carrying limiting beliefs where like, it's not obvious. And so that just shines this huge light that really helps you to like make some big leaps, you know? Yeah, that's awesome for sure. Yeah. I just went to a, um, a neuro linguistic programming training recently and it's the practice of, I'm sure you're aware, uh, aligning the conscious and the subconscious mind. And it's so interesting because in the beginning he started off, um, the, 
the series by saying a lot of people think that it's just kind of tricking the mind. And then he goes, it is tricking the mind because your mind is actually the thing that's standing in the way from getting you where you want to go. So it's kind of reprogramming the mind and changing the mind to shift and align your subconscious or he calls it your unconscious with your conscious mind, which is kind of cool. Yeah, totally. for sure. Awesome. Totally. 100%. Yeah. The, the, that's really in my experience and, and the path that I've been on, like that's been the most fruitful inquiry inquiry for me is like continually going deeper and deeper and deeper into the unconscious and the subconscious and like healing and releasing and shifting whatever's there. Like that, the fruits that that's produced have been like just mind blowing. And it really gets you into that space where you don't have to be out there doing to like make things happen. Like you're just being, and then like reality is bending around you, which is like a much more effortless and flowy way to do things. Yes, for sure. And going off of that, you know, there's so many myths out there about the concept of abundance. And I think this is really related to manifestation, but I keep, there's all these coaches out there and they post, you know, the more, uh, the, the more free you are, the more, the concept to me that I've seen is the more that you spend, the more that you attract. And for me, that makes no logical sense because I know that when you're operating in these higher vibrational energies and you're operating in this state of um, like abundance and, and, and creation, you attract more of that. But I feel like there's a lot of myths around abundance. Do you do any work in the Flow Consciousness Institute with abundance? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we go pretty deep into what we call money flow, yeah. which is, you know, abundance is obviously more than just money, but, but, you know, the, that module, that, 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 that download that we have on that is really about like going into how, like, what are the mechanics of abundance? What are the mechanics of money? And um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of things <laughs> in the coaching space that are a little bit kind of like, uh, I'm not so sure about that. Sounds good. You know, like, like a, a classic saying is like, if you spot it, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work like that. Um, um, and so it's kind of like, it's kind of like logic like that, where it's like, you know, you'll make more money the more that you spend money. And it's like, okay, that can be true sometimes in some cases, but that's not like, that's not where abundance is derived from. Like abundance is an internal game, 100%. And like, in my experience, the people that are the wealthiest are, not always, not always. Okay. But like the people that are, I, let's put it this way. The people that, that are the wealthiest in alignment with the principles of flow are always the ones that are the most mm. self-expressed because that is like our internal, like that is, that is how the universe, how nature has encoded us. Like <laughs> you're, you're already born with everything you need. There's nothing else that you need to, to get or do. It's really about the continual full self-expression of you. Because when you when you're in that space, there's such a unique quality to you that it like people are, are magnetized to that, and they're just it doesn't matter what you do, you'll make money because people want to be around and learn from people, and they they're fascinated by that because that's this like internal yearning that we all have, and and but most people are struggling with it, and so when someone comes along and is like really like in that space of powerful self-expression, there's a different quality, there's a transcendent quality or energy that it goes far beyond any marketing strategies or like, you know, you got to invest in yourself to get this or whatever. It's like, there's a transcendent aspect of that that is just like, you know, a showstopper every time. 
For sure. Yeah. And I like to see money as an energy. And it's almost like when you respect the energy, you're given more of that energy. And if you're very frivolous and, and, and just kind of non, um, non-respectful towards it, it's not going to come back in the same way. And that's kind of, how do you view that? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, to me, it's, and it's, it's in a certain sense, money is like a big illusion in a game. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is, it is just energy, especially nowadays where everything is just like ones and numbers in a computer, Yeah. you know, for the most part, it's, it's all freaking made up. You know what I mean? It's all, it's, it's, it's all a game. It's all made up. And, and so I would consider it, like you're saying, like uh, a reflection of like how much power, right. And I'm not saying power in like a, in like an old school sense of like a dominating type power, but like a power in like claiming your own power, your own genius, your own purpose, your own expression, like like it's a reflection of that, like the people like a medium of exchange, which gives you, which, which is like, a, um, it creates more like, uh, of a value or a trade, um, like power in a way, like value power or trading power. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, and it's like, like people that are, are often wealthy typically like have a, uh, a more of an experience of their own power or, they have like a more expansive view of reality and see money in a different, I mean, it's, it's a tricky conversation because there's people that make a lot of money, like just operating. Like I know people that make a lot of money from operating from like really wounded places that cause them to like be in a control mindset and try and control. But even in, even in doing that, even in, even from that place, typically their conception of money is like, is, is, running from a, a program of power <laughs> because like they're collecting it to gain power. So there's like, so, like the dynamics of power for me, like and really personal power, like intimately weaved into how much money we allow in. And then obviously our beliefs as well are just like hugely influential on how much we'll let ourselves have. I like the way that you worded that too. Like how much you allow and yeah. how much we let ourselves to have. It's almost this receiving energy. Totally. It's, it's all about how much you're allowing yourself to have. And, and, and even, and it's so interesting because it's so powerful that like, if you have like a wound of like not having enough or like not feeling good enough, and then as an extension of that, like you feel like money will solve that problem. You will allow yourself to have huge amounts of money because that's a problem that can't be solved mm-hmm. through money. So you'll constantly want more and more and more and allow yourself to yes. have more and more. Where it's uh, on the other side of things, it's like, it's interesting to like, notice people that are like really spiritual and but push money away because they believe money is evil so they don't allow themselves to have lots of money because that to them psychologically would be like the more money i have the more evil i am like that's the psychological game their unconscious is playing so so it still comes back to allowance and then people tend to like clamp down their own power because money's a magnifier and all these different things. So it's very interesting. Oh my gosh. Fascinating. For sure. That is super fascinating. So if you had to um, leave everybody with one thing that they could kind of take and do something actionable with, uh, or one thing that you could kind of teach as a wrap up to everything that we went through around flow consciousness. Uh, We talked about manifestation. We talked about abundance how would you kind of summarize that? And what would you leave people with? Yeah. I mean, I think that time and time again, like I'm shown and I experience, and it's just so obvious to me that like all we're being asked to do is just live from a place of joy and inspiration. That's it. (laughs) 
just track those things, just seek those things. And like, that's all you need to do. In, in doing that, all other things will be taken care of. You will be guided to have whatever experiences that you need to that deal with everything else. So for me, those are like, that's kind of like the magical key to life is you just stay in that space as much as you can and surrender to it wherever it takes you. And like, you're going to have an awesome life. Thank you. Amazing. And Justin, how can people find you? Yeah. Uh, flowconsciousnessinstitute.com. Uh, just do your best at spelling that in Google and it will come up. Um, that's, that's like the home for a lot of the stuff we talked about today. So a lot, a lot of great resources. And Perfect. And are you on social media? I am. Yeah. I'm on most, most platforms now, Instagram, Facebook. I don't do, I don't do Twitter, but, um, <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Chelsea. Uh, it's been great. For sure. Awesome. All right. We'll talk soon.